thank you for listening to the weekly message at First Baptist Church in Bushland, Texas. We continue in our series, In It and Not Of It, and um, we've looked at how to be in this world, but not of this world, and that's tricky. <laughs> Because we're called to be in the world, but we're not called to be of the world because this world's not our home. We're passing through. We're called to be salt and light. We're called to be ambassadors for Jesus, to look like him. And it's difficult to do. So what we've done is we've just, we've jumped into this. Last week, we looked at Moses in Exodus 33. What set Moses apart was that he had those face-to-face meetings with God, that he met with God face-to-face. Okay, his presence, and, and, and it didn't require a Bible, didn't require a prayer, it just required him sitting with God, and I hope you've enjoyed some of that this week, because that right there gives you power in the presence of the Lord, and today, we're going to look at a guy, um, I call him the li- Bible's little big man, because there's not much on him, there's not, his name is Jabez, he's tucked away in First Chronicles, Okay, you might want to go to your table, your contents, and try to figure out what page that might be on. But look at First Chronicles. Now, understand something about First Chronicles. Many of you, like me, have taken off beginning of the year, going to read the Bible through. We do great, man. We take off. We're gone. Woo! Doing really good. And if you're like me, you get the Chronicles, and I mean, I bogged down. Because the first nine chapters of 1 Chronicles is all the tribes, the Hebrew tribes that are scattered among the nation. It's all of them. And he begins to name the genealogy of them. I'm done. I can't pronounce them, all right? I mean, nine chapters of Hebrew names, okay? They're beautiful, but I guess I can't say them, all right? But right in the middle of these nine chapters... He takes a break. He just takes a break. And for two verses, and only two, he talks about Jabez. I'm going to tell you something. That's serious. There's something that we're supposed to know. There's something about his life that we need to mirror. Because what makes the author stop in nine chapters and just stops And for two verses, and only two, you see about Jabez. Now, I'm going to tell you something before we ever read it. You can go from the first book of the Bible to the last book of the Bible, and you'll never see anything else said about him. Never. It's not even mentioned. It's like he just pops on the map and beam me up, Scotty, gone. That's it. But what is it about Jabez? Because I'm going to tell you something. There's something about him. Well, they never would have interrupted that genealogy to tell us. He was in it, and he impacted it, but he wasn't of it. I want to look at it today. First Chronicles chapter 4, if you'll go there with me. First Chronicles chapter 4, look at verse 9. Jabez was more honorable than his brothers. His mother had named him Jabez, saying, I gave birth to him in pain. Jabez cried out to the God of Israel, Oh, that you would bless me 
and enlarge my territory. Let your hand be with me and keep me from harm so that I will be free from pain. And God granted his request. And then they pick right back up with those names again. Boom, just like that. I want to tell you something about Jabez. We need to know something about Jabez. Jabez was raised or grew up in southern Israel. He was from the tribe of Judah, okay? We know that about him, okay? We also know that he's more honorable than his brothers, pretty much says that. And we also know that his mother gave him a name Jabez, which means in pain or will cause pain. Woohoo! All right? Exciting. Live up to your name. Junior high, here I come. I mean, what a great, what a great start to your life. My mom gives me a name that means pain. I will cause pain. All right? And names are a big deal. I wonder why, why Jabez? Because I gave him the name Jabez because he was born in pain. What mother did not go through pain at delivery? Amen? I mean, my wife was pregnant with Brett, and, and I'm an exhorter, and she said, baby, you got to encourage me. You, you got to help me. You got to encourage me, okay? I said, I'm good. That's my spiritual gift. I can do that. Let's do it. So you got to let me know. So I'm watching the chart. Baby, here comes, here comes, here comes one. You can do it. You can do it. Be strong. Be strong. You can do it. You be strong. Now, this went on for a while. And so I'm exhorting my wife. And she turns to me and says, shh. Okay. Exhorter exiting. And I left. I went to the restaurant at the hospital, sat down. I was having a cup of coffee. Gentleman over there goes, having a baby? Mm-hmm. She throw you out? Mm-hmm. Welcome. Thank you. Thank you very much. I mean, what mother didn't go through pain? Amen? That ain't easy. All right? I can only think I know what that's like. Okay? It looked like it hurt, honey. Okay? I mean, I, I, I don't know. But I'm telling you, they're all born. So every kid born could bear the name Jabez. Born in pain. Born out of pain. So I wonder, why? Why? Why the name Jabez? I mean, obviously a hard pregnancy. Maybe she had difficulty the whole time. Don't know. Maybe the dad, the father, left before Jabez was ever born. Maybe it was financial, another mouth to feed. Hard. It's going to be hard. But she called him Jabez. And names are important. I mean, would you not agree that in the Bible, names are very important? If you take the name Solomon, Solomon was the only king of Israel to never go to war. You know what Solomon means in Hebrew? Peace. It means peace. Wow. He lived up to his name. So here's Jabez's start to life. Hey, your name means pain. That means you're going to cause pain. Okay, woohoo! I mean, that's his start. That's what he was commissioned to do. But my friend, listen to me. 
Jabez may have been the first poster child, for it's not how you start, but how you finish. Because how many of us have said, God, what are you going to do in my life? Look at my life. Look at my past. Look how I am. I don't deserve this. I mean, I don't deserve anything. I want you to see what he does, what he prays. We're going to look at all four of these little sections because I'm telling you, this, you pray this, yeah, you will be in it, but you will not be of it. You will be set apart in this. He begins by simply saying this phrase, Oh, that you would bless me. Oh, that you would bless me. Now listen to me. He is the kid who's got the name that every kid would love to hate, okay? This is his name, Pain, okay? But he says, oh, that you would bless me. To bless in the Bible means to ask for or to impart supernatural favor. Oh, that you would bless me, Jabez. Because, listen to me, my name means pain. If you bless me, the only way I could be a blessing to anybody is if God does it through me. Because I have a name that means pain. I want, last week we looked at Exodus, we looked at Moses. I want you to, just before we turn back to Exodus, I want you to look at the ending of this verse, or these two verses. And God granted his request. Hmm. Go back to Exodus 33. I want you to see some similarities. Exodus 33. We were there last week. Hopefully you were here, but if not, here's a little snapshot. Here's Moses. Moses meets with God face to face. He goes to what they call the tent of tent meetings. Okay, he's meeting with God. He has a simply, simple request that he's asking God. And we're going to pick it up in verse 14. It says, The Lord replied, My presence will go with you, and I will give you rest. What he's asking is, don't send us up from here. Don't send me up from here. Don't send your people that I'm leading up from here unless your presence goes with us. Because if your presence doesn't go with us, What's going to distinguish us from all the other people groups on the face of the earth? What's going to distinguish me on this marble unless your presence goes with us? Verse 15, then Moses said to him, if your presence doesn't go with us, do not send us up from here. How will anyone know that you are pleased with me, very important, and that your people, unless you go with us? What else will distinguish me from your people and all the other people on the face of the earth? So watch this, verse 17. And the Lord said to Moses, I will do the very thing you have asked because I am pleased with you and I know you by name. And then Moses said, now show me your glory. Now I don't want you to think that all of a sudden God had short-term memory loss. God knew he was beaten with Moses. He knew he was one-on-one with Moses, okay? Moses made a request to God, and God said, I'll do the very thing you have asked. He said to Jabez, I will grant your request. 
It's not that God didn't know Moses' name. He knew that was Moses. What he is saying when he says that is, I will do the very thing that you have asked because I trust you. I trust you. I trust you. I trust you. Okay, God, then show me your glory. Jabez says what? Jabez simply says that you would bless me indeed. Oh, that you would bless me indeed. That you would show me favor. That your favor would rest on me. And God granted his request. Why? I believe he trusted Jabez. I believe he trusted Jabez. Blessing that he's talking about is not stuff. It's not money. Because some of you are saying, well, well, that's just so selfish to pray, God bless me. I'm already blessed. Jesus died for me. I'm saved. I get heaven. I walk on streets of gold. I never die. I live forever. But listen to me. Most of that is after you die. What about while you're still here? Wouldn't it be incredible for God to open the floodgates of heaven and bless your life every single day? Just bless you. Bless you. He's not talking about stuff, and he's not talking about money. Jabez's blessing focused like a laser on wanting his life, wanting for our lives, nothing more and nothing less than what God wants for us. See, I don't want to miss anything that God has for me. I have a certain number of days that I can live, ordained by God. Every single of those are a gift of, from God. Every day, God, I want all that you have for me, everything. Whatever you have that day, I want it. Bless my life. Open floodgates. John 10, 10 says that he came to give us life and give it to us more abundantly. My question is, are you living in that abundance today? Are you? Are you living in that abundance? James 1, 16 and, 1, 16 and 17 says this, that, Every good and perfect gift comes down from the Father above. Every good and perfect gift comes down from the Father above. He loves to give good gifts to his kids. He loves to do that. Are you walking in his blessings? Don't, get, don't, don't fall into the trap of thinking, no, I can't ask God to bless me because that's just so selfish. No, it's not. It's what he wants you to ask for. It's what he wants to do in your life. Jabez was blessed simply because he refused to let any obstacle, person, or opinion loom larger than God's nature. And God's nature is to bless. You just have to ask. I'm going to ask you a question. Are you asking? Are you asking God to bless your life. God, when you get up in the morning, just say, God, bless me. Oh, that you would bless me indeed. That has nothing to do with a new truck or car. That has nothing to do with a six-digit income. That has nothing to do with that. What you're saying is, God, I want nothing more, nothing less today than your best. Your best. God, I'm, just give me your best. And God, grant my request because, God, listen to me. I, you can trust me. Because I'm going to make much of you. I'm going to sing your song. I'm going to give praise to you. I'm not going to stand and beat my chest and say, look what I did. No. 
Because when you pray that prayer, you understand that the floodgates of heaven are in heaven. And when they open for you, they've come down from God and God alone. You didn't do that. So bless me, Lord. Secondly, it says this, and that you would enlarge my territory. Mm. God, that you would bless me. All that I want all that you have for me, nothing more, nothing less. And God, that you would enlarge my territory. Listen to me. How large is your territory that God's given you? How large is it? Some of you guys and ladies in here have people that report to you at work. Some two, three, some five, some ten, some thirty, some sixty, some hundred, some even more than that. Territory. Students in this room go to school. Greatest mission field ever given to us was a campus. Your territory is wide. Are you asking God to enlarge your territory, to give you eyes to see it like he sees it? Not how you see it, but as he sees it. You say, well, I can't pray that. What what am I going to do? What am I going to say? How do I operate? How do I act? Listen to me. Understand, we're just saying you're a king's kid. You're a child of God. His desire is to give you good gifts. His desire is to bless you. God, I want more of you. I want everything you've got that has for me. God, give me more territory for you. What he's saying is, give me more chances, more opportunities to make you known. Give me more opportunities to make you known. We have these signs going out of our parking lot. They're not there just so Toby's guys can have something to weed eat around, okay? They're there for a reason. You're now entering your mission field. How's your mission work going? Don't be on sabbatical. How's your mission work going? God, enlarge my territory. I've been praying this prayer for a long time. Long time. I I love the fact that God has enlarged my territory. I know the church that I pastor. I'm very keenly aware of that, okay? But I have a church outside this church. I do, okay? We don't have a building. We don't. We have a lot of restaurants, okay? But we don't have a specific building. When I get up and I pray this prayer and I take off, I don't know who's going to wait on me. I don't know who's there. I have no idea. I just say, God, that you would bless me and that you would enlarge my territory. And I can't tell you how many times that encounters have happened. My wife asked me one time, she said, why do people that have no relationship to you want to do things for you? (laughs) I don't know. I don't know, okay? I don't know. I just have this connection, and, and I love my territory, and I, and, I, and I hope and pray that you, as a child of God, can simply say, God, that you would bless me and that you would enlarge my territory. Are you praying that God would enlarge your territory? Because listen to me, if he's not, that's why you don't see your territory large. You don't see it. You're not making an impact. You got to say, God, bless me and enlarge my territory. And when you pray that prayer, all of a sudden, you're going to have God encounters all around you. All around you. And listen to me. You will know what to say. And you will know what to do. 
I want to keep rolling because this next one fits this phrase that we just talked about really well. I want to put them together. The next phrase that he says is, Oh, that your hand would be with me. That is an incredible statement. Oh, that your hand would be with me. Listen to me. The hand of the Lord is a biblical term for God's power and presence in the lives of his people. That your hand, your hand would be on me. Listen to me. We are an absolute church that has the favor of God. The privilege of meeting each week with the presence of God. I can't tell you how many people have been in this church, walked in this church, sometimes visit only one time, but walk in and they say, Jeff, the presence of the Lord in this church is incredible. I love the presence of the Lord in this church. What they're saying is, I love the hand of the Lord that's on this church. I love the oil that's on this church. Man, we, we, we are privileged to be a part of that, okay? Listen to me. You don't want to be, I promise you, I promise you, you don't want to be a part of a church that doesn't have the hand of God on it. You don't want to be there. Because I'm telling you, nothing happens. It's cold, it's hard, it's dead, it's silent. Nothing, no movement at all. No hand of God on it. We're privileged to be a church that has the hand of God on it. It is the biblical presence of God on its life. I want you to go to a couple of scriptures. Go to Acts. Go to Acts. We could, get, we could stay here a while and go to a bunch of Acts, but we don't have time. I want you to look at Acts chapter 11. Acts chapter 11, verse 21. Verse 21. Acts eleven twenty one, and the Lord's hand was with them, and a great number of people believed and turned to the Lord. Listen to it again. The Lord's hand was with them, mm. and a great number of people believed and turned to the Lord. What an incredible statement. The, the, the Lord's hand was with them. The Lord's presence was was with them, and a great number of people believed and trusted the Lord. The hand of the Lord was on him. Go back one, a little bit more. Go back to Matthew 28. Matthew 28. We know it as a great commission. We know this as a great commission. Look at 28. Look at verse 19. Therefore... Go and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Watch this. And teaching them to obey everything I've commanded. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. Very surely I am with you. Who? The presence of the Lord. The hand of the Lord. Listen to me. If you are ever going to make disciples, I promise you the hand of the Lord will be on you. It will be on you. I can't tell you how many times that, that I've been places, and just for an example, just at a restaurant eating, 
and about to pray for a meal, and, and the girl that's waiting on me, I just simply say, I'm about to pray. Is there anything I could pray for you? Or do you have anything I can pray for? Now, listen to me. 30 minutes later, she gets up. By then, she has told me everything about her life, and all I did was ask her if I could pray for her. She tells me that, no, my life is hard. I I, I was pregnant at 16. I dropped out of school. Now I'm trying to put myself through college. I got my GED. I'm waiting on tables. I have no relationship with my mom. I have no relationship with my dad. I'm trying to raise a daughter by myself, and it's hard. It's hard. It's hard. And I'm like, Number one, I got cold fish. Number two, all, all I said was, is there anything I can pray for you about? Can I tell you something? God, that you would bless me. God, that you would enlarge my territory and that your hand would be upon me. When you pray that, when you pray that, and you walk in the Spirit and you walk in His presence, there's safety and vulnerability in the presence of God. It has nothing to do with me, absolutely zero to do with me. It's just a fact that I pray that prayer and that God's presence and God's hand goes with me. And because of that, I'm around people sometimes, and all I say is, can I pray for you or can I ask you a question? And and 30 minutes later, they've unpacked their whole entire life, and I've never asked them to tell me their story. Never. Never. Look at all through Scripture. All through Scripture. Okay, you see the same pattern. There's safety and a vulnerability in the presence of God. My friend, pray God will bless you indeed. That God would widen and enlarge your territory. And then simply pray that his hand would be upon you. And when you do that, you better get ready. Because you're going to have incredible opportunities to share Christ and to be Jesus with a lot of people, okay? John 15, the gospel says that I am the vine and you are the branches. If a man remains in me and I in him, you will bear much fruit. But apart from me, you will do what? Nothing. Nothing, 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 nothing. Apart from me, you will do nothing. Apart from the presence of God, apart from the Spirit of God, Apart from the hand of God, you will do nothing. You're powerless because you're not walking with the hand of God on you because you're not asking for it. You're just not asking for it. Moses asked for it. Don't send us up from here, right? What he said? Unless your presence goes with us. Don't send us up. Why? Because what's going to distinguish us? What's going to set us apart? What's going to make us look different? Your presence. Your presence. Last thing is this. He prays those three things, and then he simply says, Oh, that you would keep me from harm or evil. Mm. 1 Peter 5.8 says there's a lion out there. 1 Peter 5.8 says there's a lion out there with extremely large teeth, okay, He says the lion is out there, and he's roaming around. He's roaring. He's looking for someone to devour, okay? Listen to me. I'm just going to be honest. If you pray this prayer 
and you pray those first three, God, that you would bless me indeed, you would enlarge my territory, and your hand would guide me. You're going to hear this. You're going to hear that. I promise you. Because immediately, you're going to be in the crosshairs. Immediately, he's going to come get you. He's going to come get you. And you say, bring it on. Bring it on. Listen to me. You can't be a wet pretzel in the army of God. Wet pretzels are nasty, Dan. Throw them out. I want good, fresh pretzels. Don't need a wet pretzel. You got to be a warrior for the king. You got to be a mighty warrior for the king. You got to know you're in a battle. You got to know you're in a fight. You got to know he's after you. He's after your home. He's after your marriage. He's after your kids. After your business. He's after everything about you. But greater is he that's in you than he that's in the world. And if you're ever going to live the victorious life that God promised for you, you're going to pray those three prayers right there. And then the last one, you're going to say, keep me from evil. Because I'm going to tell you right now, the enemy will know you. You say, well, I don't even feel like I'm ever tempted. <laughs> uh, guess why? Because you're not doing squat, dude. You're not doing nothing. You're not doing nothing. The enemy, is there's no reason to mess you up. Because you're already doing such an incredible job of being a mess up, he doesn't have to mess you up. He doesn't have to mess with you. You're not making any impact on the kingdom. You're not doing anything. You're not going out there. Your territory's not getting bigger. The presence of God's not going with you, and you're not being blessed. None of that stuff's happening. So he's not messing with you. I mean, I literally had people that say, I'm born again. I'm, I'm, I'm saved. Really? I said, so how do you handle temptation? I, I, I don't get tempted. What? What is wrong with you? I mean, what is wrong with him? You've got to be tempted. If you're doing anything for the kingdom, if you're making any impact in the kingdom, you're going to be tempted. Any church that's making roads into a community and making roads into uh, being a part of all that God wants them to be, I'm telling you, that church will be under attack. There's no doubt. The enemy will know your name. And I'm going to say something to you. That's a really good thing. That's a compliment, okay? Listen to me. Pray that God would bless you. Pray that God would enlarge your territory. Pray that his hand would be upon you. And pray he would keep you from evil. Because I'm going to tell you something, okay? God knows. God knows your tackle box. He knows your tackle box. See, all of us in here, Jeff included, have a tackle box. You say, well, I don't fish. Shh, you have a tackle box. Listen to me, all right? You got a lure in there, and the enemy knows what lure he needs to put on that pole to catch you. And every single day, he's got that lure on there, and he's dancing in front of you. Unless you stay well fed, you're going to be tempted to jump on artificial lures, Okay? I'm going to tell you something about artificial lure. The hook's inside. The hook's inside, dude. I know the lure that the enemy loves to use to catch me. And you better learn the lure for you. Because when you start making an impact, you're going to see that lure a bunch. He's going to want you to go there, look at this, be with them, participate in this. Okay? Why? Because he wants to take you out. So you better know that your tackle box is open season to the, to the enemy because he wants to use a lure to catch you, okay?
you got to know it. So here's Jabez, tucked away in the chronological geology, in chronological order in, in First Corinthians, I mean First Chronicles. He is just sitting there in the genealogy of all the Hebrew names. And in two little bitty verses, he prays a tiny little prayer that has a huge prize to it. And he interrupts, and he puts those two verses in the Bible. And when he prays that prayer, God says, I will grant your request. I'm going to ask you to do something extremely dangerous. I'm going to ask you to pray that prayer, Jabez. God, that you would bless me. God, that you would enlarge my territory. God, that your, your hand would be upon me and that you would keep me from evil. You see, many of us stand on the bank of a river. And each day, we dip a cup in there and we take a drink for the day and we go. Very safe. Oh, so safe. But see... All that God wants for you, that's not it. You know what God wants you to do? He wants you to do what Jabez did. Jabez no longer took a cup, dipped it, and got a drink. He threw the cup down, and he jumped into that river. And he let the current of God's love carry him to a life of purpose that he had designed for him that blew him away. I want you to pray a prayer of Jabez and get off the bank and jump in. Because many of us are scared to jump in because the current is God. And you got to trust him, all right? Trust God. Jump off the bank into the river and be blessed like you've never been blessed before. Pray the prayer of Jabez. God, that you would bless me, enlarge my territory. Your hand would guide me. You'd keep me from evil. Let's pray together. Father, we love you. Thank you so very much, Father, for a simple prayer tucked away in First Chronicles. I pray, Father, that today that we would be bold enough, bold enough to pray a prayer of Jabez. God, that you would bless me, enlarge my territory, your hand would be on me, and you'd keep me from evil. God, help us to get off the bank of safety and jump into the river of purpose and blessing that you have for us. And God, during this invitation time, God, I pray you'd move us. God, you want to do so much more in us than we let you. I pray we let go today and let you just have our life, God. Just let go and see where the river takes us. So God, during this invitation time, it's our time to respond to you. And so, Father, I pray and ask, God, that we would say yes to you. That, God, we would be obedient to you. For the other side of obedience is always blessing. This is my prayer in your name. Amen. I'm going to ask you to stand, church.